Welcome to the Legacy Church Amelia Island podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us. Wherever you're listening from today, we believe that this message will help you to know God and leave a lasting legacy on this earth. Well, church family, why don't you go ahead and put your hands together as we honor our Lord and King. We're also welcoming our online family. Anyone excited to be in God's house today? I hope you are. It's an exciting, special day right here at Legacy Church as we conclude our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Anyone feeling God's presence? Anyone feeling the strength that comes with prayer and fasting? I hope so. You know, for us as a church family, this postures our, our church, our families, for all that God is going to do in this coming year. So thank you for being a part of that with us here as we jump into the last part of this series, Pray Fast 2023. And so I'm so excited for all that God has done all that he's going to do, we're going to ask you to tell us about all the stories uh, that have unfolded and have happened, how God has moved in your life, so we can share that with our church family as well. Well, today I want to jump in because there's a lot on my heart that I feel like God's progressively been revealing it to me. Anybody want the whole thing from God like at once? Anybody want it like that? In this series, there's been so much that God has revealed to me like the week of and the night before, kind of just all put it together. I can't wait to share this last piece of it with you here today. And so I want you to To say this title with me, I want you to look at your neighbor and ask him this question. Will this be the year of wandering or walking into God's promises? It's a serious question. Will this be the year of wandering or walking into God's promises? And this is something I think that as we posture our hearts and prepare ourselves, there's going to be some some great things that God's going to reveal to us. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the spirit in this place, God. There's a sweet, sweet presence in this place here, Father, that we posture ourselves, Lord, to seek your face and to welcome your presence. And Holy Spirit, this is our act of demonstration of of welcoming you and saying, come and speak to your people, Father. We're all from different walks and and lifestyles and in every place in the world, but Lord, in one moment you can speak and, and everyone feels your presence. So we open the volumes of your word and pray that you would speak in a way that brings glory and honor to your name, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's a big day as a church. Today we we break our fast, but we don't break our focus. Today we break our fast, but we don't stop pressing in. We still seek God at a high level. We we still look for opportunities to, to cut away and to add God into every area of our lives. Today we go back to some things that we were doing previously. Anybody excited about going back to some food? Yep. In my house, we are going back to meat. And I don't know how many pieces of meat will be on my plate, but there will be every part of the meat food group. I'm looking for steak. I'm looking for chicken. I'm looking for burger. I'm looking for all in between. If we can fit ribs on the plate, it's going to happen. So we're going to go back to some things. But we're going to caution our hearts for not being owned by some things. I know some of you are going to go back to entertainment in different categories. It would be social media or, or social streaming platforms, and you're going to go back to some things. But what we will make a declaration today is we will no longer be owned by those things. Those will be pastimes. Those will be things we just found out. You know what? We can survive without those things. We've been surviving without those things. And I think some of us, starting with myself, might be better without some of those things. That we press into God and this year more than we've ever have before. What I really want to say is this, is that we can either go back to wandering or we can keep diving deeper into the presence of God through intimacy, through seeking his face, through saying, God, I'm believing you not just for these 21 days, but I'm believing you for the next 11 months of this year. 
I'm believing to draw close to you, for you to reveal yourself to me in a way I've never seen you before. Amen? Psalms 37 is, is what I pray our focus is the rest of these 11 months. And it says this. It says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Think about that. Will you continue to delight in him even after the fast? You get to choose. What I found in my life is I can't afford only to press in for 21 days. I've got too much going on. There's too much in the balance. I lead too much. I love my family too much. I love my church too much. I love my God too much for this to be a one time a year thing. That's why as a church, we pray and fast the first Monday of every month. And maybe you'll join us in one of those. Maybe you'll be a part of that because what you'll see is when you begin to start cutting things away and start replacing those things with time spent with God, you begin to see God in a whole different light. It goes from religion to relationship. It goes from transactional to I can't wait just to sit in his presence. It goes from sitting with God in prayer and asking for 101 things to what what do you want to see in my life? What pleases you? Like I want to know what turns your heart. I, I want to know what, what you sit and you think about. I want to know what's on your top 10 list, God. Like you, you get mine every single day. You get my moaning and groaning, God. But, but what's your desire for all the earth? What's your desire for my home, for my workplace? Crazy thought, what's your desire for me? I keep telling you what's my desire for me. But what if I was just this blank canvas and I said in 2023, God, I am yours. My whole life, I've tried to tell you what to do with me. What if this year I was yours? And I trusted you in every area of my life. Amen? Maybe some of you will find you can't afford for this 21 days to be the only time to press in in that way. But as we begin this year, as a church, we've made three commitments and declarations that we have sealed in prayer. So if you've missed any part of the series, you want to go back and make sure you understand what our posture as a church is. Maybe you don't know, but this is where we get our posture and our direction as a church. Every year from 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's not enough to have a board. It's not enough to have elders. It's not enough to have a lead pastor. We need direction from God. We need direction from the Holy Spirit. Man can only do so much. But we believe in this posture of of prayer and fasting and God revealing himself, we have our direction. And so I want to review a couple of things we've discussed in this series. And the first one is our spiritual metrics for success in 2023. Now, I get it. At your one-on-ones and your quarterly reviews with your, your boss or your manager, these won't come up in your metrics. I get it, okay? But in your personal walk with God, in your marriage, in your home, with your children, if you're single, with yourself, wherever you find yourself, these must be, these have to be your spiritual metrics for this year. If you want to open your Bible, if you want to pray and process in, in February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, Anywhere in this year, you would say this. You would say, Lord, what does my spiritual obedience look like? First Samuel tells us obedience is greater than sacrifice. That I can give up all these things for God, but is my heart obedient to God? And how am I obedient to God? By knowing him and through his word, through gathering with the saints and being encouraged. This is how I know where my obedience lies. Do I have a hunger to serve him more than I have a hunger to serve the world? This year, is it I get to or do I got to? Is it more of a sacred experience or is it always pumping and priming myself to read and to pray and to come into the house of God? This is where we see what our spiritual obedience looks like. James declares that we're to not only be a hearer, but what? A doer of God's word. 
Just like the Shema in Deuteronomy, we've got to hear and obey. There's got to be something that begins to turn in our hearts and turn our soul, but not having this conversation about our spiritual obedience, we won't know where we're tracking. The next is this. The next is not only our spiritual obedience, but our spiritual engagement. In our hearts, do we hunger for God? Jesus gives us the greatest sermon it's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. And he says, you and I are to hunger and thirst, not for ourselves, not for this world, and not for every other trapping of this world, but for him. There should be something in us that's insatiable, something that says, before I start my day, God, I'm yours. Before I make decisions, Lord, I seek you. Lord, before I, I give myself to anyone or to anything, I give myself to you. And so we check ourselves with our spiritual engagement. We say, God, am I fully yours in good and in bad? Because we all have these things in our lives where some of us, where it's, when it's really good, we're, we're, we're close to God and not so much when it's not good. Or some of us others, we're on the other side of that. When it's not so good, really close to God, but when it's good, we don't remember the last time we spoke to him. And so this spiritual engagement, we'll ask ourselves, when's the last time God gave me a fresh revelation? a fresh insight. When's the last time I felt him break my heart to serve him in a different way or to be generous in some kind of way? This is what we're going to do as a church this year. We're going to monitor our spiritual engagement. And the last part of this piece of our spiritual metric will be our spiritual sensitivity to repentance. Someone say repentance. This is a daily reminder that you and I will say, will do, and will think things that are so contrary to God's plan for our life. And you know what? God's a good father, and he reminds us to repent. And so oftentimes, we don't think through this lens. But I'm going to tell you what. You'll get a lot further, spiritually speaking, in life with a couple of I'm sorry's in your back pocket. A couple of repentances in your back pocket. With a couple of, you know what? I said that in the, right, in the wrong heart, in the right way. I, I, I was out of line. I was out of, just forgive me. Whether you think you're wrong or not, I found. <laughs> a forgive me goes a long way. And so the Bible teaches, and you can see this in the Psalms with David, but it teaches us in Psalms 139 that we're to have a strong sensitivity towards conviction and repentance. Like if you and I can't think in the last week or two of, of repentance before God and before people, that's a problem. In the great words of the prophet, Ricky, you got some explaining to do. Some of you get that. You don't watch reruns. We should have this heart of repentance where it's like, God, I missed the mark here. And not this self-loathing, I'm the worst, but Lord, no, I'm better than that. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of me. I'm better than that towards my spouse. I'm better than that towards my friends, my family, my kids. I'm better than that towards my work colleagues. I'm better than that. And so, Lord, would you fill me? Would you strengthen me? Would you help me to be in the most sincere way accountable to my walk, to myself, to you and to others? Amen? All right, so that's the first one. The second one is this. We've committed, we've prayed, we've processed to pursuing the presence of God through triumphs and through trials in 2023. This is huge because what we found out in this year, you are not begging God to do great things. Jeremiah already claims he's got great plans. 
in this year. You are not trying to twist God's arm behind his back in your home, outside your home, in your finances. Whatever you call dreams and goals for this year, you are not trying to hurt as bad as you can so God feels sorry and he just releases in the atmosphere. No, Jeremiah says it's already been released because whatever God speaks can't return empty or void. So he's released it. So you know what our job is? It's James 4, 8. It's to draw nigh to God. It's to draw near to his presence. It's to seek his face. It's just to be so close to him. We begin to walk with him and we see what he's already desired and predestined for our lives. Amen? This is our desire that we seek him in this way and we pursue his presence. And this will make your heart right too as well, where you're not just seeking him for stuff because stuff will begin to own you if that's what you seek God for. But man, if when you seek God, you can be like many people in your life and in the Bible where Job said, man, I had stuff and I had God, but then I didn't have stuff and I still had God and it was more than enough. He said, man, though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. He said, the Lord taketh, the Lord giveth, but I still have my hope in him and him alone. And we've got to become these kind of believers. They've got to come, these kind of believers, that no matter who comes and who goes, whatever transpires in our life, man, as long as I have God, I'm good. Better to have God and not a lot of stuff and have a lot of stuff and have God. Amen? And the last one is this. We are going to commit to coming to agreement and alignment that will lead to our assignment in this year of 2023. We're committing to these things. We're setting our face on these things. We're speaking these things. We're making it in our homes. This is the new standard. You're looking for some refrigerator posting material? The schedule of your favorite team or your kids' drawings or paintings? Post this up there. That we are coming into agreement and alignment that God will lead us into our assignment. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us what agreement and alignment looks like. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You know what that says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says, God, no matter what comes this year, I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. Anyone get to this place in your life and your walk with God right now, you just, you, you got to come here. You got to say, God, you're big enough. Like no matter what happens or doesn't happen, no matter what he allows or doesn't allow, you got to come to a place in your life that he's big enough. And if he wants better, he'll do better. He'll bring better in a manner of speaking. That if you come into alignment with him, God is faithful. So it says, trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways. Knowledge him will do what? Direct your path. Agreement and alignment. You've got to commit to this. You've got to not make it just a Sunday experience, but this is something that's in your Bible study, in your heart, in your life, and in your home. And then if we do that, we're told in Romans 12 too, that when we put, off, we put off the world, off the mind of the world, we will see the will of God. Because we all want to walk into those daily, weekly assignments that accumulate into a yearly assignment that we'll walk into. Because if the Lord tarries and we have a 2024, we're going to walk some great things through 2023. We're going to see God move in some really amazing ways, but it's going to start with the daily stuff. You can, be, you can romanticize destiny all day long if you want, but God's into the daily walk. Amen? So those are the three components that you've got to get from the series. You've got to carry with you throughout this year. A part of this church family, that's the focus that God has given us to stay healthy, to stay whole, and to turn our hearts towards God. Now, here's the question you've got to ask yourself. Will you wander this year, or will you walk in the promises of God? And you know what wandering's like. Wandering is, 
is being off. Wandering is not sure exactly what God is saying or doing. Wandering is being not, not intimate with the Lord, but wandering is just kind of going about your own pace. Wandering is doing things, making a mess, and ask God to bless your mess. Wandering is not being consistent with the things of God, but being consistent at work. Wandering is being consistent with your hobbies and with your friends, but not consistent with God. Are you hearing me? Wandering is when you check in and check out from God. Check in and check out from church. You tip God every now and then with the tithe. With the tithe. That's wandering, not consistency, not walking in the purposes, the promise, and the presence of God. So that's the question you have to answer. And, and what, I've, what I want to share is this, is that we've learned about God's promises in this series. We've learned about his promises to come into agreement and alignment, but it's our job to walk in his promises through the assignments. God won't walk into purpose and promise for you. You and I have to do it. This is where you do need healthy Bible teaching. This is where you do need healthy accountability. So when you get off track, you can get put back on track. This is where you can't do it alone. This is where there's something in the Bible about Hebrews about gathering with the believers. There's a reason for that, to stay accountable, to stay on track for the Lord. What I found is this, is that the responsibility doesn't end with learning. Learning is only the beginning. And hopefully you've been here with this series and you've learned about the promises of God. You've been encouraged by the promises of God because if you have and if you learn, now it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to do what? Put it into practice. It's the application of what has been learned that opens doors. I'm going to say that again. It's the application of what has been learned that opens doors. It's got to go from head knowledge to what we live out to what we walk out, both in public and in private. My daughter, she's a sophomore in high school, so she's real excited about college and the different opportunities. So she's looking up the colleges and which one that she can get in based on GPAs. So we're doing the whole SAT thing right now. And so she's taking the SAT, and, and what she's finding out is everything she's learned from pre-K to kindergarten, from first grade, all the way up through her sophomore year of high school, guess what? It all comes together. And she's got to put it into practice. Because if she puts it into practice, it will open doors for her that would not be open unless she did what? Put it into practice. And the problem with a lot of us Western Christians is we got a lot of head knowledge. We got, we, we got a lot of stripes from VBS, a lot of stripes from conferences, a lot of stripes from a lot of things, you know, that we kind of have a badge of honor. But man, how much will we put into practice? Will we commit to put into practice? There's all kind of New Year's resolutions when it comes to weights and to diet and to things like that. I'm telling you what, you believe and you walk in God's promises, specifically the ones in this series, specifically the ones that we talked about monitoring our spiritual health, you will see God in a whole new light, a new way. Amen? You will see a first love that you desire in God. But this is where our church family is. We're in the last Sunday of January, and we've got to ask ourselves this question, will we apply what we've learned in this series? See, we, we can't choose what unfolds in this year. We can choose our response. We can choose our posture. And I'm telling you what, I'm already postured to trust God. Are you? I'm already postured to say, God, whatever you allow, I'm all for it. I'm already postured to say, God, there is victory in this year. It's going to come with some trials. It's going to come through some trials, but there's victory in this year. This year, better get ready for me. I'm not getting ready for this year. All right, somebody hearing me. This year, better get ready for me and my family. I'm believing. I'm walking in God's promises. I'm believing what he's released, we're going to experience. What's the alternative? I hope God shows up. I hope things don't fall down. I hope things don't go up in smoke. 
I, I hope God's there for me. What, what's, the, what's the real alternative? Living for things that this world offers? Well, the problem is if they offer it, they can take it away. And so that's the posture and the focus of our heart. And here's what you've got to come to terms with, what I was coming to terms with in my time of study and prayer with this message. Will you walk in God's promises or will you walk in circumstances, distractions, and emotions? You got to make it up in your mind now. Last Sunday of the first month of the year, you got to make it up in your mind now. What will you walk in? Because if you make it up in your mind now when circumstances and distractions and emotions lead you off track, lead you away from trusting in God and praying and seeking his word and seeking his face and gathering in church and, and, and growing in your faith, you'll say, yeah, I'm walking in the wrong things. We don't call it walking in the wrong things. We just call it stress and fear and, and lack of peace. And, and all, we have all kind of names for symptoms, but the true root is not walking God's promises. I want to talk to you about the people of Israel. And they had a choice to walk in God's promise, or they had a choice to walk in circumstance, emotions, and everything else that was going on. And I want you to see yourself, and I want to see myself in the children of Israel and the opportunities they had to, in the year that they were living in, in the year they were walking into, to walk in the presence and the promises of God or to walk into other things. See, what I want to show you is this. God delivers his promise to every generation. That generation has to choose to receive it, to learn it, and to walk in it. You get to make that choice. I get to make that choice for our generation. And we influence the generations that come after us. And so God delivers his promise to us through his word. Like the promises that we just shared that we're going to walk in as a church, where do we get it from? The Bible, right? If you're not sure about them, go back and read the scriptures that were in parentheses. That's where we get our promises from. Well, for Israel, they didn't have yet the Bible. Moses had not yet wrote the Torah, okay? So their promises were delivered through the prophet of Moses. And so you, you and I depend on the promises of God, Jeremiah 29, 11. This is their Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God releasing for them in Exodus chapter three, verse eight. This is him releasing their promise, okay? Read this with me. This is God speaking to Moses on behalf of the people, the promise he's gonna release um, to them about freeing them from captivity in Egypt. And it says this, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them, up out, bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the, Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. So God basically says, estate sale, moving everybody out, bringing you guys into a land that I'm going to promise. So he's releasing this. Remember, we learned this a couple weeks ago. If God releases it, can it come back empty? Can it return void? Does it have to happen? It has to happen. And so he releases over this generation. He says, this is what I'm going to do. They don't have the Bible yet, so he's got to release it to a prophet, Moses. Moses releases it to them. And then this is a promise they're supposed to walk in as Moses releases this to them. And so Moses has his own series. He says, hey, here's the promises of God. We're going to walk in it this year. We're going to move forward in this year. And, you know, typical crowd. Some are paying attention. Some are not. Some are believing, some are not. Some are going through their own things, so they're not really into it. So they got a mixed mix bag here, right? But God delivers his promises to Israel and to our own lives in real-life examples. See, we believe in his promises, right? We walk in his promises, but he reveals them in real-life examples and real-life ways. That's why we're to live to, for God and commit our ways to God so we can reveal his promises, right? And so get ready. He's going to reveal in this year his promises in small 
and in big ways. And we're going to read how he reveals them to Israel in small and big ways. They thought maybe getting revealed by Moses, kind of a small way, okay? Who's this guy? Who does he think he is? Why is he speaking for God? Small way. But if you know the story, how they get delivered out of Egypt, big way. Really big way. This God, kind of a big deal. God reveals his promise throughout this fast to me in some small and big ways. Um, This past week, one of my mentors came to visit me. And, you know, you're, you're always excited when you get to meet with one of your mentors. and You can't wait to talk about all that God is doing specifically in this time, leading the church and praying and fasting. And so we met and then we were going, you want to go get coffee? If you know me, I was going to get water. I don't drink coffee. Courtney says I'll grow up one day. Hasn't happened yet. I like water. It's healthier. But anyways, we're going to go get coffee and we, we go up to the line and he orders and, and, and we're about to pay. And my heart sinks. Do you know why my heart sinks? Because I can't find my wallet. And you know, you don't feel like the cheapskate. Like, hey, I, I, I said I was going to take you out the coffee, but, uh, and I had no good reason. I just, in the morning, I just, I didn't put it in my pocket. There's no good reason for it. And as I was formulating my story, and as I was going to and as I was going to say why I don't have a wallet, why I look very irresponsible, ill-prepared for our meeting, someone walks up and taps on the shoulder. They don't even know the person. Like, hey, aren't you so-and-so? And let me be honest, I wasn't in the best spirit right now, all right? I was like, yeah, nice to meet you. And um, like, no, you're so I was like, yes, yes, I am. He's like, you know what? Can I cover this for you guys? How many of you know all of a sudden I got a lot nicer? Let me just be honest. I got a lot nicer, all right? I'm already hungry. I'm already frustrated. I got no meat in my system for 18 days at that point, 19 days, no protein in my system. I was like, brother, how are you, brother? How are you doing? I am so glad to, to meet you and make your acquaintance. And so he brought his credit card up and he paid for everything. And I said, man, that was the hand of God because I had no alternative options. Yes, he could have paid and that could have worked out that way. But for me, it's been real embarrassing. All right, I invite you to come and, oh, by the way, I don't have the way to, to pay. So that, that's in small ways that you'll see the promises God revealed in small ways. And you got to honor God for the small things. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that was God. He didn't know we were walking in. I don't know who this was and how it all worked out, but God knew, and God planned ahead. But then I've seen in big ways, God reveal his hand in this time of prayer and fasting. This past week, I'm at the table, and I'm doing work, and my eight-year-old, she's doing work, and um, she's cutting out some hearts for school, and she's got to paste them on something. I think they have, like, scriptures on them, so she's just kind of doing her thing. I'm doing my thing, and she says, hey, Dad. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I got some questions for you. An eight-year-old has some questions for you. It's, 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 it's potentially concerning. I don't know if it's the birds and the bees, where the babies come from. If you've been with our church family, in our house, she asked me about what's a virgin because the Virgin Mary, I said, that's her last name. That's, that's, that's how I let her know. I'm not ready for these conversations with my eight-year-old yet. So I'm like, here we go. And she says, so how does this work? If you want to be with God for the rest of your life, how does this work? I said, how does this work? Be with God for the rest of your life. I said, you have to have a relation with him. You have to welcome him into your life. And she goes, okay. Well, how do you do that? <laughs> I said, how do you do that? So I, I opened up. I was already on my laptop. I opened up the scripture. And I read the scripture in Romans where it says, if you confess to your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. She goes, I want to be that. I want to be saved. I said, you want to be saved? And Mind you, she's young, she's eight, so I'm like, I'm tiptoeing around this, like, well, sweetheart, you know, you got to get a little bit older to really understand and have a conviction towards these things. She goes, 
No, I do, I do want to be saved. I do want to repent of my sins. How do you repent? I said, I can, I can show you how to repent. Went to the scripture, what repentance looks like. And she goes, okay, so, 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 so when do we do this? I said, well, we have our family devotion tonight as a family, so we can, we can do it then. She's like, all right, because I'm ready. So I'm thinking through this. I'm like, you know, do I stop her? Do I let her do it? You know, I, I want this to be something that makes a mark in her life. And the spirit said, if I have moved on her heart, who are you to stop her? Like, who in the heck do you think you are that I can't keep an eight-year-old and prepare her for the rest of her days? Because maybe he wants to do something in her. He's got to prepare her for now. Maybe there are insecurities and fears and addictions and hang-ups and all things coming her way that he says, no, I need to spear on the inside of her to protect her from. And so as a family, we had our devotion, and I said, hey, guys, Naomi wants to ask a question. Let's walk her through what this looks like. And so she said what she wants to do. She wants to be saved. She wants to repent. And the sisters were excited. They shared their stories. And, um, and she repents and she welcomed God into her life. Yeah, that's a big deal. And I'll say this, for a lot of you who are praying and fast or thinking about it, if I prayed and fasted, I've been doing this since I was 16. If I prayed and fasted from 16 to 40 for just that, that was worth it. To know that my baby girl will spend eternity with her king to know that the Holy Spirit would move on her heart? What's more important? Because a lot of us get caught up in stuff and in things and more of this. And, and let me let me show right now, if you can upgrade it, it's not important. If you can upgrade it, it's not important. But the soul, the spirit, that was the most important thing. And so, you know, she knows in my Bible that I, I preached from, I put in the front the day I was saved, December 3rd, 1995. So guess what she did in the front of her Bible? You'll see a picture of it. Watch this. She put in her Bible, 126, 2023. Can you read it? It says, the day I got saved. She even spelled it right. How about that? <laughs> so in front of her Bible, she's got this mark, and she's got this of what God has done. And, and I share that to show you what God is doing in real time in all of our lives. Whether you're at the coffee shop and <laughs> you can't find your wallet, or whether you're sitting at the table and your daughter's doing homework, and, and, and you're, just, you're just praying and fasting, not seeing any of the quote-unquote fireworks, oh, there's fireworks happening at all times. Sometimes we're missing them. Sometimes we're just a moment away from watching what God is going to do. You know, and I don't believe that, I believe that I could have been in the wrong spirit. I could have shot her down. You're eight. What do you know about God? What do you know about the things of God? But if the Holy Spirit moves, who am I to stop? And so he moves in the small ways and the big ways, in our lives, in the life of Israel. The small ways, revealing the message to Moses. The big ways, he liberates them from over 400 years of slavery and captivity in Egypt. I was talking to a friend one time, and disclaimer, he's Jewish. Uh, I was talking to a friend one time, and I was like, we were talking about Egypt something, and I was like, man, how did they, how did they put together those pyramids? He goes, I don't know, ask the Jews who were there for 430 years. Ask them how they built the pyramids, not the Egyptians. But anyways... Um, they were in captivity for over 400 years, and God's going to deliver them through small ways, through Moses, right, revealing his message to him, but then through big ways. And so he leads them out of Israel, and I wish we had time to give you full context, but please read through Exodus. It's an amazing book. Um, But as he reveals the message to Moses, it's through 10 plagues he's going to release his people. Ten plagues he's going to put on, on the nation uh, to, to have them released from Egypt. And, and once the ten plagues are done, Pharaoh releases them. And as he releases them from the ten plagues, things start to 
materialize. They start to see God in a bigger way than they've ever seen him before. God releases the Passover to them, which would be, continue, to be, continue to be practiced from there. But they get into a space, watch this. I wonder if you can identify with this. They get into a space where God releases them into his promise. But then when they release into God's promise, they have no options. And here's what I mean. They're released from Egypt, but then Pharaoh changes his mind. Do you remember this? He sends Pharaoh's armies. And so Pharaoh's armies comes, and there's uh, more than a million people, mixed multitude who are liberated. So they got over a million people, and they come right to the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh's armies are behind them. And so watch this. You can be in God's promises and have no options but God. And sometimes I wonder, if you find yourself today with no options but God, if you're not in the right place. You know, we like people who have a lot of options. We make a big deal about them. They can do whatever they want, however they want. But sometimes I found in the scripture, your name could be Joseph, your name could be Job, your name could be Israel. Sometimes when your option, singular, not plural, when your option is God for your marriage, for your children, for your finances, for your job, your mental health, your emotional health, you fill the blank. When your option, not options, when your option is God, that's the best place to be. Because you've got to wait on the arm of the Lord to be revealed. Not the arm of the flesh, but the arm of the Lord to be revealed. And if you know the story well, God shows up. It seems like the children of Israel were trapped. Really, Pharaoh's armies were trapped. Because God comes in a pillar of fire and they walk through the water. We're talking about on dry ground. They walk through the Red Sea. And then what we find out is that the waters close on who? Not the children of Israel, but on Pharaoh's armies. So who was the trap really set up for? Pharaoh's armies. And so in a very real way, he's revealing to them what he wants to reveal to you. I have promises for you. And every step along the way, I'm going to deliver you from one season to the next season. In some seasons, you're not going to have a lot of options. In some seasons, you will. But sometimes you will be with the Red Sea in front of you and Pharaoh's armies behind you. But please don't stop believing in his promises. Sometimes limited options are the best thing that could happen to you. Someone say amen. So God speaks to his people. He leads them out of this place and he leads them to what I like to call the estate sale to the open house. He gives them this promise. He gives them a land of people who have been in captivity. Watch this. You're going to see it not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually they've been in captivity. You're going to see this revealed. And so in Numbers chapter 13, I'm going to start in verse one. You're going to see God work through this with them. And so he does this. It says in, in verse one, the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Watch this. Which I am giving to who? Done deal. Man, I hope God does this in 2023. Already gave it to you. Provision's already there. Strength's already there. The shalom, the peace, the hope, the joy, the provision, the strength to endure already exists in 2023. Why? Because he's already there. So it might have felt weird to them. He's already given it. What? Because what? he's already there. It says, from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So how many tribes does Israel have? So how many leaders? That's going to be important. Verse 3. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Okay, so we've got 12 leaders. They go and they check the land out. They do recon. They're, they're looking at where they're going to move into, right? A state sale. God's given us this land. They're going to go view it, and they're going to now bring a report back to the rest of the people. The 12 tribes, the 12 leaders, they represent Israel. They're going to come back and bring a report. So in Numbers chapter 13, now we're going to verse 31. This is 
God revealing his promises to Israel or God revealing his promises to you and you start to live life, like you go to work Monday morning or you meet with friends and family or you, you go from January, February, and this is a report you bring back to God based on what God has promised. Ready? This is their report. The first 10 bring back this report. This is not all of them, but 10 of them bring back this report. Verse 31. We can't attack those people. Why not? They're stronger than we are. See, it's one thing to doubt yourself, but to doubt God? That's another thing. Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored, it devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. They're the descendants of Anakim from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. And so you just saw what happened here. They, God said, it's already what? The Israelites, I've already given it to them. God told you in this year, I've already gone before you. I've already opened doors. I've already been what you need. You don't have to network yourself. Your gifts will make room for you. Your God will make room for you. I've already gone before you. And they bring back their report. Yeah, but you don't know my family. <laughs> you don't know my job. You don't, you don't know my debt. You don't know my spouse. You don't know my pension to go back to those old habits, those old behaviors. You don't know how difficult it is to be faithful and consistent to God. Yeah, that's the report they bring back. And then they start affecting other people. See, the problem with not being strong in our faith is that one way or the other, you're going to affect people. And it says they affect the camp. This is really, really problematic. They affect the camp. And so from the 12 come back, 10, not possible. I hear God, eh. I mean, that's great that he feels that way. They take it more as a suggestion, his promises. Do you find yourself there where you take God's promise as a suggestion in your life? It'd be nice if it worked out. It'd be cool if I experienced it that way. 10 took it that way, but two took it differently. And this is their exchange, Numbers 14, verse 6. Joshua, someone say Joshua. Joshua. Son of Nun and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who explored the land. It says they tore their clothes. So these two come back. They hear the 10 story. They hear them riling up everybody. They're coming against Moses and Aaron. Now they're coming against them. And they said, no, this can't be. Tearing their clothes, expression of grief. Like, you heard God. We can't miss him on this one. We've already been in slavery. We've already been in captivity all these years. Here's our chance. And you guys want to spread this? And as verse 7 says, and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is what? Exceedingly good. Like, this, is, this is a good thing. It's a blessing. Verse 8, if the Lord is with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which is the expression of being a fertile land, and will give it to us. He said, if, if, God, if God said it, he'll do it. And that settles it. If, if God promised it, we're going to walk into this. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. It's funny, I said, don't be afraid of the people of the land. You know that sometimes you can be more afraid of people than God? You can, rever- you can have reverence and respect more for people than God? You can give them the best of you, the best of your time, your attention, your energy, and you just tip God what's left over at the end of the day? He said, you're going to fear them more than God? And watch how he finishes this. He says, uh, their protection is gone. Well, how do you know that? But the Lord is with us. 
He said, I don't know what God they serve, but it's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if he's with us, their protection is gone. Do not be afraid of them. And so you've got these, these two different perspectives, don't you? All believers, all believers, we're not talking about the world. Nobody's secular here. All believers, right? All have been liberated. All seen the hand of God. All seen the miraculous wonders of God. All like you and me, they got the promises for the year they're walking into. But even though they receive the promise of the year they're walking into, will they walk into the promises? And I ask you the same question. You've received the promises. You've been a part of this series. You've been hearing these. You've been writing the notes down. You've been seeing the scriptures. You've received the promises. Will you walk into them? 10 said, no way in heck. And two said, I believe God's faithful. I believe God's able. It continues here in verse 10. Numbers 14, 10 says this, but the whole assembly talked about what? Stoning them. So hold on, let me, let me make sure I've got this together. 10 believed that God wasn't who he said he was and didn't do what he said he was gonna do. Two said, no, God is who he says he is and God will do what he's gonna do. And the majority, don't go with the two, the majority go with the 10, be careful with the majority. Be careful with the popular opinion. Be careful with everybody's saying and the bandwagon everybody's jumping on because the 10 were far from God. The 10 were believing in the arm of the flesh. The 10 lacked faith and lacked focus and lacked hope in the things of God. But the two, they said, no, I'm gonna stand on God's promises no matter what. And we are told the believers, not the pagans, the believers said, no, nah, this isn't, this isn't going to work. They talked about getting rid of them. They talked about stoning them. Well, here's the problem. When you're in a place where you allow God to fight your battles, he will. He will. Because you can't fight your battles and God can't fight your battles. You got to choose. And so Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, they made a choice. God will fight our battles. So it doesn't say that they were like, okay, you're going to stone us. We're going to stone you. Or we're going to fight back held their posture, held their faith, and watch what happens here. Then the glory of who showed up? The glory of who showed up? Who fought their battle? Who was for them? Who had their back? Who was their rear guard? He didn't have to bow up and say, all right, let's just do this. All right, let's The Lord. The Lord came. The Lord heard what was going on. The Lord said, you know what? You've only got two, I'll make it three. And let's see how that goes. The glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. Uh, this means business. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all of the signs I have performed among them? I want you to see that space. This is a broken hearted parent. He said, I've done so much. There have been so many signs I have performed among them. As a matter of fact, those who were talking to the 10, they still had scars on their back from the slave drivers in Egypt. They still had wounds, both mentally, emotionally, and physically from Egypt, and God delivered them. Those traumas should have become testimonies. He said, all this I had done for them, and they're doubting, and they're questioning, and they're in disbelief, and they're making a majority against what I have said? How could that be? Does that make sense? But God would ask you the same question today. How in the world are you doubting him? You shouldn't be here today. You shouldn't have what you have unless the glory of God went before you. 
unless he liberated you from all kinds of things, you do have the physical, mental, and emotional scars of where you've come from, but where God has brought you from. Do you see how, how we are in this story nonstop? How would we not walk through our lives and our relationships and our careers and our finances and not look at the signs that God asked you, how would you not believe this year that I'm going to make a way? I've brought you this far. The good work I started, I will complete it. And so God is having this real dialogue with Moses because Moses, he goes to bat from, he intercedes. He says, but I've done all of these things and they still don't believe and they still doubt. They walk through the Red Sea. You've walked through your own Red Sea. They saw God come through. You've seen God come through. So the moments of doubt, the moments of fear, just remember the signs and the wonders that God has brought you through. This is how God responds to the 10 and those who follow the 10, that generation. God responds to the broken heart, to those who believe in circumstances and distractions and emotions more than his promise. So I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to try to really condense this here. But in Numbers 14, you're going to hear God's reply. He's a merciful God, so he forgives them. But you're going to hear a parent who had these wonderful plans in store for their child. I mean, he was thinking about this generation. They're going to walk into the land of milk and honey. He already had it in his mind. They're going to have a fertile land. They're going to have all this cattle and all this flock and all these rolling hills. They're going to raise their kids. He had all these plans in mind for the generation until they say, well, God's not faithful. God's not able. God's not able to do these things. He's not that kind of God. And so verse 20 says this. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them. He's not a hard God. He's not a callous God. I'll forgive them. But nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of God fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and saw my signs I performed. You and I, we've seen his signs. We've seen his glory. Not one of those were told. It's all the signs he performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times. Not one of these, verse 23, will ever see the land I promise on oath their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Verse 28, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you say. If you haven't read this account, you don't know what God's talking about. Exodus 14, 11, you know what they said to Moses? Moses being led by God. God showed himself through pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. and He gave them water from a rock. He did amazing things. You know what he's talking about here? They kept saying to Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here? And God is saying, what you spoke is gonna to come to pass. That's what he says right there. He says, as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you what? Keep speaking death over your family and over your children. Keep speaking death over your career. Keep speaking death over your community, your nation. Keep speaking death over the things in your life that God won't do and God hasn't done yet and he can't heal and he won't do. Keep speaking death over yourself. You'll never be, you'll never accomplish, you'll never get over this hump. Keep speaking death. The Bible says sometimes we can speak things into existence. We can walk in the depression we've been talking about. We can walk into the fail, failures that we've been talking about. And so he says, you've been speaking about graves, not enough graves, you're gonna find it. It says, in the wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you. Look at this interesting number, 20 years and older. For God, that was the age of accountability. We say kind of in our modern culture, 12. God says 20 and older, this generation is dying off. 20 years and old or more who have was counted in the census and has grumbled against me. Verse 30, not one of you will answer the land I swore with uplifted hand to make, to, to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. 
as a parent, this is, this is God's heartbreaking. I want, you to, I want you to have context here. God has no joy in this. And then believing in and fearing the people more than they believe in fear in his promises. Verse 31, as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, what did they speak? Our kids are going to be taken as plunder. We're going to die. We need graves here. I will bring them, watch this, in to enjoy the land. Who rejected? Not God. Who rejected it? You rejected. God can't do. God never will. Never done it for me. Never done it for our generation. Never done it for the Serranos. He's never done it for us. He said, what you rejected, I'm going to give to them. So God didn't reject them. They rejected who? So read your Bible with good context. Some people read this, he's an angry God. No, he's a loving God. He forgave them. He allowed them to be right with him. He said, but, but the promise that I had for you, you're not going to be able to walk in, not because I don't want you to, but because you don't want to. So I need you to hear me clearly. The promises God has for your life and your family, you have everything to do with walking in them. You can't provide them. You can't make them bigger or smaller. God is faithful in every one of our lives, but you have everything to do when it comes to walking in them and experience the fullness of what God has. I hope at the end of your life and my life, it can be said we walk in the fullness of God's promises. We didn't miss because of our lack of faith and our lack of belief. Verse 32, but as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. And verse 33, the saddest part in all the scripture for me. It says 33, your children will be shepherds here for 40 years because they're going to wander for how long? It's one big circle. Suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. Who had to suffer because of the parents? 40 years of suffering because of the parents. Not faithfulness, lack of faithfulness. Not because they're they're good example, because they're poor example. Not because they sold out for God, because they sold out for the world. Not because they were focused on the word of God and focused on prayer and focused on serving God and his kingdom and his people and coming every Sunday because of the lack of those things. Children pay a hefty price for either us drawing closer to God or drawing further from God. And we see it here. Number, verse 34, it says for 40 years, one year. So why did they circle for 40 years? You're going to find out. One year for each of the 40 days you explored the land. So every day the 10 had doubt and fear. God says that each of those days you will wander. You will suffer for your sins and know what it's like to have me against you. And so the question is this, and here's where I really want to focus our last, our last thought is this, is will this be the year of wandering for you or walking into God's promises? What will this look like for you? You get to choose. God's part is the promises. God's part is opening up doors. God's part is strength and peace and wholeness and grace. God's part is ordering your past and ordering your steps. He's birthing new things in you. That's his part. Your part, my part, is speaking life and speaking strength and speaking hope and speaking strength. Our part is believing that God is faithful. Our part is believing, watch this, not in what we can see, but in what we can't see. Our part is getting so close to God, we know how he wants us to respond. In any given season, in any given situation, we know how we are to respond. I don't need Google. I don't need a best friend, although accountability is needed. Don't get that one twisted. I don't need someone to tell me how to respond to God. His word tells me how to respond to him. His word said that he's for me and not against me. His word says he's got plans, hope, and a future, and they're good. 
His word says he'll never leave me or forsake me. His word already tells me this. And so it's my decision on how to walk in his promises and the fullness. Someone said the fullness. I wonder if you believe that. I wonder if you believe the fullness. I, I wonder if they believe the fullness of his promise. I wonder if they heard that and like, yeah, that's a lot of land. Because contextually speaking, you know how much land God gave them? He gave them from the current day Israel all the way across the Middle East, all the way like into Iraq. Like it was a lot of land. It was what today would be multiple countries. God said, I'm giving it all to you. And they're probably like, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds cute. But like, I don't know what it is for, what it specifically was for them or for us, but we got to start believing. We got to start speaking God is faithful, speaking God is able, speaking God has a plan, speaking God has hope and a future for our lives. Speaking that, man, God is going to do things that we've been waiting for him to do. God is extremely merciful, but I'll tell you what, we can really, really mess our own selves up. We can really find ourselves in a place where we don't have to be if we claim his promises. Because one thing that you might not know is that historians say, scholars say, there's about 1.2 million people, 20 and up. So for the next 40 years, do you know what the average of funerals were per day? 85. And there's a couple of things that happened at CORE and some other places where a lot of lives went on a day for some disobedience. But average speaking, 85 funerals a day, they were reminded of disobedience. They're reminded of trusting in how difficult life and circumstances can be or trusting in God's promises. And some of us were reminded of some past things, reminded of some hurts and some pains. But I'll tell you what, that won't stop what God wants to do in our lives. We will be the generation. Say that with me. We will be the generation that walks into God's promises. We will see it. There will not be any deaths or funerals here, not spiritually speaking. We're going to see God's purpose. We're going to see God's promises. And watch this. We won't bump into it. We won't trip over it. It'll be intentional. It'll be intentional. See, what we see in this story is this, is that God's promises, they can be delayed because of disobedience, but they can't be denied. Isn't that good news? Although this generation didn't want to believe, they didn't want to take God at his word. I don't know if they still had the hang-ups from the gods in Egypt. I don't know what held them back or held them down. But even though God's promises were delayed because of disobedience, they weren't denied. Watch this. Joshua now, not Moses. New generation, new leader. Young bucks rise up. And it says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. He speaks to Joshua on behalf of the people. And here's where they're going. Remember God's words to the previous generation. Now watch his words to the current generation. It says this, verse 1. I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised. He said your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one, someone say no one. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And a lot of us don't know where this scripture comes from. Here's where it comes from. I will never what? Nor what? That's your promise. Promises this to this generation. Be strong, courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to who? I've been trying to do this for a while. I wonder what God's been trying to do for a while in your life and in your family, your generation. Trying to do some things. Get through some hard-headed Christians, right? Some disbelieving, religious, legalistic Christians. I've been trying to do some things for some generation. I'm going to do it through you now. God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I just need somebody who believes. Anybody want to believe today? 
Anybody want to believe today? You can put your hand up. It's okay. Anybody want to believe today? Anyone believe today? Anyone want to be that generation that God, he can say this to and he can say this through? Anybody want to be this today? And the beauty of it, scripture always gives context, never leaves the details out. We just read what God gave them. You keep reading in Joshua chapter 12, verse 7 and 24. They walked in that promise with a couple of battles. You're going to walk into your promise with a couple of battles this year. Watch the scripture. This is how we'll finish today. It says, here's the list of the kings of the land that Joshua and the Israelites conquered. Verse 24. How many? Man, I don't know if I got 31 battles ahead of me this year, but if I walk into God's promise, well worth it. Bring it on. Let's do this, devil. I read Job. You can only go so far. You got, you got boundaries around you. You got training wheels. When God pulls the training wheels off, you're done. Bring it. Because what you and I need to know is this. This will not be a year of wandering. This will be a year of walking in promise. We'll be careful how we speak about ourselves, about our lives, our situations, about God, about his promises. Because as you can see, God takes it serious. When he releases a promise, he releases people to walk into purpose and, and all he has for them, he takes your life and blessing you very, very serious. But it's for you and I to apply the application. Promises don't apply themselves, right? We have to receive them, be faithful and obedient to our King, and walk into it with all that God has given us. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your love. And I pray today, Lord, you strengthen the believer. You encourage the disciple. You allow us to walk in a deeper walk with you, Father. We don't take you for granted or your word. And today we say yes and amen. Lord, I declare over this people, over my home, we declare over our individual homes, we say yes to your promises. Someone say yes to God's promises. We say yes to everything you purpose in this year of 2023. Whatever you desire, whatever you allow us to put our feet on and it become ours, whatever territory you want to expand, whatever you want to do, not just outwardly, but inwardly, we say yes and amen. We don't doubt you. We believe you. A new fire, a new first love, a new burning, a new yearning for hunger and righteousness, a new spirit of generosity to bless people, Lord. We want what you want. And we walk in it in Jesus' name. We don't turn back. We don't shrink back. Whatever 31 kings are in front of us, we say bring it. Because we know on the other side of that is God's purpose and promise. And lastly, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, we so love anyone in this place today who wants to get their life right with God. And I know for that language, that's different for different people. But if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, or if you've known him, but you've walked away because of some things in life, we want to welcome you to pray this prayer with us and pray either for a rededication or for some for the very first time, welcome God into your life. This is so important. And so church family, if you'll pray this with me and those who are going to be praying this prayer to either rededicate their life or to welcome God for the first time. Say this with me. Lord God, we believe in you. We repent of our sins and welcome Jesus into our lives. Holy Spirit, lead us in discipleship and a hunger for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Put your hands together for all those who prayed that prayer today. We hope that you are challenged impacted and blessed by the message today. For more information, please visit LegacyChurchAI.org or take a moment to follow us on Instagram at LegacyChurchAI.